You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. So thankful you are joining us uh, in the midst of COVID and here in Hawaii with this extended stay-at-home order. We're just really grateful that you would join us and spend your Sunday morning with us in this digital house church season that we're in. And uh, even though we're physically apart, I'm praying that the Lord is meeting you where you're at and that you're feeling connected still, even though so different than what we're used to. Um, as always, if you aren't uh, if you aren't already uh, connected to kind of the digital life of the church, I want to encourage you to follow and subscribe to all our digital resources, um, just to stay connected. Whether it's weekly newsletters or social media, uh, we just want to make sure you're up to date with what's happening in the life of the church and make sure that you're not missing out on all that God is doing and to try to stay as connected as possible. Uh, you can find kind of all these things at realityhonolulu.com. Um, encourage you to kind of check that out uh, often as we're trying to keep it updated and kind of with, with stuff going on. But uh, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, the entirety, is going to be our text today. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 25. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation, so pull out your Bible app or open your Bible with me. We'll read the entirety of Acts 12, and then we'll go ahead and pray for our time in it. Here it goes. Acts 12 verse 1 says this, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread after, um, excuse me, after arresting him. He put him in prison handing him over to, the guard, uh, to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel of, uh, said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, and he had no idea that what the angel of the Lord was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. Verse 11. Then Peter came himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. 
When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. Uh, then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon and now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the uh, support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God, not a, of a man. Immediately, because he did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was, be he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord continued to spread and flourish. Barnabas, uh, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you once again for where you have us in your word. We thank you for the way in which you've spoken to us thus far through the book of Acts, through this uh, COVID season, through 2020. It's been such a, a guide and a, um, a constant source of, of strength for us. Thank you that in it we found yourself. We find you in it. And God, we need you. We're desperate for you. Wherever we're at, we ask that you'd meet us, your will would be done, and your kingdom come. We ask that you'd anoint my lips, that I would be your mouthpiece, Father, to communicate the truth of your word. Pray this, you would get all the glory and the credit, and despite our circumstances, your kingdom would still go forth. So would you be with us as a church today? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you read much of the Bible, if you've read much of the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, you are aware that the Bible doesn't hold back on some uncomfortable details or some gnarly things that happen to people. Uh, most of the time, the writers will include more details than maybe we feel are necessary. Usually, though, and in order to emphasize or drill in the severity or significance of a lesson to be learned. And we also need to remember that even though the Bible is comprised of 66 books written by some 40 authors over the course of about 1,500-ish years on several continents, this Bible, the scriptures, the word of God that we have remains one unified story pointing to Jesus. And none of 
the stories we have in Scripture, none of the parables, accounts, or details are there or included without significance. Right? We wholeheartedly believe that all of the Bible matters, it's important, and it's trying to tell us something. And today, as you noticed, is one of these times um, that we read of, of difficult loss. We read of this possible judgment of God with some gruesome details of Herod's death, like, like worms eating his body. Didn't have to include that, but God did. But nonetheless, despite those details and what happens, there are some key takeaways that I believe we can glean from this chapter. And not only were they lessons to be learned and uh, growth to be had in the early church and the first Christians, but for us later here, 2,000 years um, on the other side of the world here in Hawaii, it's for us as well. And the first thing that jumps out to me is this. When I, when I read this, I study this and read this and, and pray over it and look and, and see what happened here. Here's what jumps out. Number one is the kingdom of God is unstoppable. See, what we know to be true is that the kingdom of God or the will of God will continue to go on and go forth despite any obstacle in its way. What we, what we know from Scripture, what we see here today, is this idea uh, that we continue to see, that we're reminded of, that God's kingdom, right, God's rule and His reign is unstoppable. That His will and His plans are outside of time and space and the world's problems. And even when those problems seem to directly impact and affect God's church, God is still on the throne. And so here in Acts, what we see and what we read about is this continued persecution that's coming against God's people. And it, and it, and it becomes deadly. Again, this isn't the only time we've seen this, but we do see here an instance of martyrdom. Uh, James is put to death for being a follower of Yeshua, Jesus, and he is killed over it. Again, this isn't the first time we've seen this. We just saw this a few chapters earlier with Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And this isn't the last time. There's many more times in Scripture and throughout church history, including present day, where the church becomes persecuted unto death, martyrdom. But despite a tremendous and I'm sure devastating loss to the church with James. That did not squash the church. That didn't end God's rule or God's reign. That didn't change his plan or, his, or the good news of Jesus Christ would spread to the rest of the Jew and Gentile world. It didn't stop that. Despite how heavy that persecution was, what a devastating loss that was for the church, it still did not inhibit God to be moving. And we also see here in Acts chapter 12 is that despite Peter's arrest, 
which you have to understand the significance of that, right? It's, this is a senior leader of Christianity, of this new movement. He's stopped. He's in prison. Again, this isn't the first time. But what do we see God do? Does that stop the church just because a leader is in prison, just because a leader uh, is taken out of the picture? No. What we see here is that God breaks him out of jail. He frees him. And the, says the word of God continues to go forth. Again, there is just no holding back the kingdom of God moving forward. There just isn't. And anything that the world can throw at the church, God still carries her through. God is still God, regardless of obstacles and or persecution. And so fast forward to us here and now. COVID, year 2020, and all that has happened and that all that this year has entailed. And now you may disagree with me on this one, and that is totally okay. But personally, I do not think that the church is being singled out or persecuted right now. Again, I know some of you wouldn't agree, and that's okay. I just don't see it that way. I believe that the church is essential. Um, even here in Hawaii, we are still able to meet with precautions, just like everyone. And to be honest, uh, we are some of the only ones that still can have gatherings allowed right now. And um, and even though we aren't meeting in person, I want to remind us that the church is about a people and not a building. And I was actually reminded of this this week. Uh, it was super cute. Uh, my seven-year-old daughter, Eva, love her to death. Uh, we moved here to start the church um, when she was three, about four years ago now. And just this week, out of the blue, she said, uh, Dad, why did we move to Hawaii again? And I said, oh, because mom and I felt called by God to start uh, our church here in Hawaii. And, and she was like perplexed, even though obviously we talk about this and this is our life. Uh, so she said, wait, you, you bought the church? And I laughed and I said, no, the, the church isn't a thing like an item, like a, like a toy or something in, in her little world. But the, and I, I began to explain to her that the church is a people gathered around a person, and that person being Jesus. And um, that's why, even though, that's why we're still doing church now, even though we aren't present in a building. And uh, I don't know about you, but God speaks to me a lot through my kids and reminds me of the truth of uh, who God is and that he's in control and despite circumstances that he's on the move and we're still the church even though we're doing this because the church is a people gathered around a person and that person person being the exalted Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Um, but that said, even though right now, even though right now for us we aren't experiencing uh, you know, the same or, or experiencing persecution as, as James and Peter. That doesn't mean that life in general is not so hard right now. You know, to take a step back from the church and just think about life, think about these trials and tribulations and like just thinking about 2020 and everything that has gone on and I'm sure that will go on with everything from all our cases to so many that are getting sick and dying really hard. 
And on top of that, just the toll that this season has taken um, on, on so many of us, right, mentally and emotionally and relationally, and now with this extended stay-at-home order here in Hawaii, um, economically, some of us are really hurting in many ways, especially, you know, so many of our small businesses here in Hawaii. And a small plug on that note, please, if you're able, uh, shop small local business, please go ahead and support them and uh, tip well if you do so. They, they, they need it. And we really got to rally around each other right now. But all that said, despite like how heavy and gnarly and sad and hard this year has been. I know that not all of you get to see all the good stuff happening, but I get this unique window into our church as, as a pastor. I kind of get this bird's eye view and obviously hear all, all the bad, but then I get to hear all the good stuff too. And despite all that's happening, this really hard and heartbreaking stuff. Like God is still at work. Um, he's doing different things. He's doing deeper things. People are coming back to the Lord. New people are hearing the gospel. New people are coming to church that weren't prior. And again, that has been true for all of history and will be for all of eternity that God's kingdom going forth is unstoppable. And so again, as a way of reminder, Despite how bad 2020 is and continues to be, or as we enter into 2021, we can trust that God is still in control. He's seated on the throne, and we can trust that the king and his kingdom is still on the move. And we see that here in Acts chapter 12. And we have to hold on to that promise for us as well. The second thing I see here as a lesson to learn is that God is creating persever perseverance of character in his church. That God is creating perseverance of character in his church. You see, God here is allowing these fires and these trials to happen to his church but he's also using them to strengthen and mature his followers. You see, he's teaching them the valuable lesson that they need to be grounded and rooted in Christ. And he's developing in them a perseverance of character through the testing and through the challenging times. And that has not only been true here in Acts with Peter and the church, but if you know anything about Scripture, right throughout it, we see that God, through pain, God, through trials and wilderness seasons, develops character in His people. He develops godly, mature, trusting, and persevering character. And Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, speaks about this. He says this, Romans 5, 3 through 5. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. 
For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So what happens here in Acts 12, is actually training and preparation for what would come and what would continue through Acts and into the future. And the pain of these trials developed an an endurance and a perseverance and a resilience for the next trial that would come. I strongly believe that 2020 is a crash course or a deep dive into God desiring to do this for each of us also. This year is not meant to be wasted, but God wants to grow us and mature us and strengthen us to become resilient and persevering in character. God desires to do this work. And, and, and I want us to know this. This is not a self-willed strengthening. It is a Christ-empowering, spirit-filled, God-strengthening work. Again, this is precisely one of the very reasons why we have the Holy Spirit in us. To use trials and tribulations we grow through. To use years like 2020 to deepen our relationship with Christ and to make us more like Him. I hate to break the news, but 2020 isn't the end of the story. It's not like, you know, January 1st, 2021 comes and all's back to how it was. Like, no, no, no. Like, sorry to break the news on that, but this season is one for the long haul. But what but the heart work, the character building that God wants to do in us now, right? This refining, deepening, strengthening that God wants to do in us right now is meant to be for the rest of our lives. It's meant so that when the next trial comes, which it will, that will be so rooted and grounded in Christ, will be so, so mature in, in, in our character that we'll be able to still persevere and be resilient and stay faithful to Christ in the midst of trials. Church, don't, don't miss out on what God wants to do. Don't, don't just merely pray for us to fast forward and to be done with it. But I want to challenge us all to ask God, God, what do you want to do in me? What are you trying to teach me right now? How are you wanting me to be strengthened and become more rooted and more grounded in you? Guys, let's ask God these things this week. Let's give time and attention to it. And lastly, my third and final point, what I believe God is doing here and a lesson for us is that God is teaching his church to be perseverant in prayer. Let's take a moment to learn from the church's response to trials and tribulations here in Acts 12. So as James was martyred, right, and Peter was imprisoned, 
what did the rest of the early church do? What was their response? They prayed. They sought God in prayer to come and to move in their midst. They fully trusted in the power of prayer and they gave themselves to it. See, prayer was the place they turned when they encountered hardship. And to me, it seemed as though they prayed with persistency until God answered them. Like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to continue to pray until God answers my prayers. And it really does seem like from our text today that they went for it and they were praying constantly for God to show up. So much so that when God did answer their prayers, Peter went to the home where they were praying and interrupted that very prayer time. I mean, guys, can you imagine being at that prayer meeting in that house? Right? There's some really heavy, really gnarly stuff that's happened. Like uh, our senior leader of our movement is arrested and imprisoned. Uh, another a disciple, James, is, has been killed. We're already being persecuted. Right, they get together, we got to pray. They're praying all night. They're asking God to move. And then Peter shows up. And don't you love that interaction? They went to the door. Peter's there. They're so excited that they don't even open the door and let him in. And they go back and people don't believe. And Peter's still knocking. Like it's so classic what's happening. But nonetheless, God literally brings the answer to their prayer to their doorstep. Like, do you see that? Guys, do you see that? Church, let's be reminded of the power of prayer. Of the power of prayer. And so my, my question for us is, is this our response in hard times? Has this been our response this season? You see, for the early church, this was their go-to. This was the first thing they did, not the last. And the question I want to ask us is, is prayer our go-to? Or do we do it as a last resort when all our own intellect and strength runs out? And if I were to be honest, this is not always my first go-to. Too often, I first try to problem solve, and when I can't figure out, then I go to God in prayer. Like, prayer isn't always my first place I run, and I, I want to change that. I, I, I want to grow because of what I see in the Word of God here happening in Acts chapter 12. But here's what jumps out to me about this prayer meeting. Um, and again, if you remember, my first point was that God's kingdom goes forth despite trials, right? The connection I want to make is the way in which God's kingdom came here in Acts 12 is through God's people praying. We can't miss that. God's kingdom came when God's church prayed. Do you see that? Now, does it mean that this wouldn't have happened if they didn't pray? Well, I don't know for sure and I can't say for certain, but I, I do know 
that it's most likely it wouldn't have happened in the same way or the same timing. And I see throughout Scripture that, that through prayer, God moves. That is the way in which God moves is through his people, the power of prayer. And here in Acts, we see God's people prayed, God came, God showed up, and his kingdom went forth. If you've been a uh, part of our church for any length of time, you know we pray a lot. And during service, uh, Tuesday night prayer meeting, in our Ohana groups, and it's because it's so much more than a ritual for us. We believe it's an essential, vital, and crucial part of what God's people should do is that we should call upon God to move. And for those of us, uh, for those of you guys that come to our Tuesday night prayer meeting, I rejoice in you for doing that. It is my absolute favorite night of the week to gather with God's people, to connect with you, to see your faces via Zoom, and to seek God's face for our church and our community and our world around us. And if you haven't come, honestly, I, I really want to encourage you to come as well, um, to come and seek God and allow us to see him move in our midst. Um, and we really believe prayer is the most important thing that we can do as a church. So resonate with what Charles Spurgeon said about prayer meetings. He says, prayer meetings are the lungs of the church. In other words, it's what gives the church life. And all that said, as a way of wrap-up, what Acts 12 does, or did in the church and continues to do, is to birth and grow perseverance in character and perseverance in prayer in God's people. In church, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? not on our own strength, but by God's power in us, let's live into that for us as a church as well. I want to leave us with Paul's exhortation that he once again shares to the church in Rome. In Romans 12, too, he says this. He says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Church, as we enter this time of worship, I want to encourage you to engage in it to sing as if we were in person together, to glorify your God, your God in your homes right now. Again, as always, if you do have uh, any type of communion elements, whether that's uh, juice or wine or crackers or bread, uh, I would encourage you in the quietness of wherever you're at. Maybe it's not super quiet because you got kids. That's okay. Wherever you can be. And what communion is, as you take the bread and the juice or whatever you have like that, as you take those things during this time of worship, I don't have to lead you in it. You can, you can do it. What it's meant to be, what Jesus said, is that as often as you take these things and as you eat and drink, remember that it's pointing to the sacrifice that I made for you upon the cross. As you take the bread, it's my body that was broken on your behalf. And as you take the juice, remember it's my blood that was spilt for you. What taking communion does, what I want to encourage you to do now, in, in the quietness of your home, is as you take communion, if you have the elements to do so, to be reminded of the cross, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the centerpiece of our faith, the death and resurrection of Christ our Lord. And in this time of worship, in this time of communion, um, even though we're apart, I'd ask you to engage with Christ, 
Enter, is to enter into his courts with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Love you, church. I'm going to pray us out and into this time of worship. Um, but feel free to reach out if you need anything at all. We're a church family. We're a church ohana. And we are here for you. We love you. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word that guides and directs us and reveals yourself to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to make us more like you, that we would be a people that grow in godly, trusting, resilient, persevering character. <clears throat> that we'd be rooted and grounded in Christ. We'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. That we'd be encouraged that you're still on the move and that your kingdom is unstoppable. God, would you fill us up where we're lacking right now? Some of us here are, are, are weak, we're tired, we're weary, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're confused, we're hurting. Fill us up where we're lacking, God. Meet us now. We ask that our homes would be filled with your presence as we worship you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.